Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 24 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this show. We try to provide at least one show a week for you discussing what's going on in the baseball world. We have a Facebook group called Baseball 365. There's over 1,300 members in the group with great discussions going on every day. Well, I guess I should say 365 days a year, to be exact. Uh, Until next year, I guess then we'll have Baseball 366. But if you'd like to support our show, go on iTunes and leave us a review. We always appreciate those. And follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the landscape of the 2019 baseball season so far as we're now at Memorial Day weekend. We're about a third of the through the season. And we're going to discuss league leaders at each fantasy category and discuss where that we think they might finish up at and just talk about some of those strong starts we've seen. And allow me to introduce the co-host of this podcast, Mr. Andrew McQuiston. Andrew, how's it going, buddy? It's going good, man. So, how are you feeling about we're at the third of the way point of the season? How are you feeling about, you know, teams and are, are you kind of starting to get a good feel of where you're at in them? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I feel like it's kind of uh, the first first point in the year that you should really start to take the standings a little bit seriously. I mean, I know we look at them all the time, but it's right about that time. Well, a few weeks ago at the end of the show, we were talking about women listeners. And if I asked if there were any women listeners to the podcast to tweet us and let us know that they're listening. And then we searched and Andrew, would you like to guess how many females tweeted us over the last few weeks? I've been forgetting to mention this. <laughs> uh, I was, my guess would be zero. You would be correct. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, was, we searched far and wide, but we couldn't find a woman who actually would tweet us saying that they listened to this show. Uh, but, that's all right. Yeah, maybe someday. Maybe if we keep putting this plea out there, someday we'll have a woman tweet us and say, yes. We listened to your show and we enjoyed it, but I guess yeah. really we just want them to say they've listened. <laughs> got to uh, got to work your way up. Yep, baby steps. Yeah. So before we get started, I thought I'd cover a few news bits from this past week. Uh, the first thing is that the Pirates finally promoted pitcher Mitch Keller up to start on Memorial Day. Pretty, he's been a Big name prospect for the last few years. Some people have even felt like he's gotten some prospect fatigue. And in his first start, it wasn't the best start to the career. I think Andrew, you and I both were watching that start on Monday after Monday night, weren't we? Weren't you two? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. And it was not a pretty first inning. He gave up six runs, including a three-run home run to Jose Iglesias before he even got out of that first inning. It was pretty rough, and. Just before we even go any further, might I add, in that league that I've talked about, where I've made terrible fab pickups in that redraft league, guess who spent the remaining fab that he had left, $140 on Mitch Keller? Andrew, would you like to take a guess? Oh, boy. So you have zero, you have zero left? I have $7 left. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, uh, Nate Lowe, Mitch Keller... Oh, who else have I? Willie Calhoun, who is at least on the DL, IL, as compared to being out. And there was a fourth one who has already been optioned back to the minors, too. I can't remember who. 
it's it's been absolutely brutal how my money's gone so far in that league. I'm surprised you were that into Keller. I just I'm, because I I would have like and I'm not even just, I'm not just saying this because it was a rough first start, but I was actually thinking before he even pitched, he's probably up for one start and then he's going back down. Really? Yeah. Maybe I didn't do enough research, but I hadn't heard that. Well, I hadn't heard it either. I was just speculating. Yeah. But I just didn't think he would be up long, you know, long term or anything. I mean, well, maybe I know they sent him down, right? But now that Lyles is hurt, I, I heard maybe he'd come back up. I don't know for sure on that. I didn't hear anything beyond yep. what they had done. But that makes me feel better. If he was brought up to possibly be a temporary guy, that's not not as bad. I was think as I put in the notes here because they're the Pirates. They already demoted him. But if that was the plan all along. That doesn't make that so bad. I know that. I mean, they had the double header, so I just, I was kind of wondering that. I, I didn't even really bid on him in any leagues just because I kind of thought it'd be temporary. Yeah, the double header. You know, I didn't pay enough attention there. That was poorly spent well, money. But that said, I mean, he could be back. He did settle down pretty good after that first inning. So, like yeah, seven, he was better. Seven Ks, pretty good. We'll see how that goes. And, well, the Astros injuries start to continue to mount up, and this time it's Carlos Correa who has a fractured rib and is supposed to be out for four to six weeks. And when I was writing this note, these notes, we hadn't heard how he got injured. And I've already shared it with you, Andrew. And this is one of the weirdest ones I've ever heard. He fractured his rib getting a massage at his home. Yeah, I don't. It's a pretty odd one. I never heard that. <laughs> Sammy Sosa sneezing was always my f- favorite DL injury that I've ever heard of. This one's up there, and I have—I don't think I've told you. My wife has been through massage therapy school. So when I was talking on the phone an hour ago, I brought this up and was like, one of the guys on my fantasy team because I own him in Roto Masters too. He just fractured a rib and is out four to six weeks from a massage and she's like what and i was like yeah and she said well i'm assuming he's gonna sue them over that and they do tell massage therapists to carry insurance because something like that it could happen so i found that interesting to hear from her but i guess this is something that i've never heard of it happening but it's something that they at least talk about because to get insurance because there's always that possibility you just hit one the wrong way and fracture a rib that's super weird i can't imagine how angry i'd be if i was a player and that happened man for especially when your team has so many injuries going on right now anyways and you're needed and you're hot Correa's finally having a real good season after really scuffling the last few years with injuries and he was finally healthy and producing it's a bummer yeah so their call-up is interesting, though. Miles Straw, who I actually <clears throat> saw in AA Springfield last year as an outfield prospect, he's been called up. He had started playing some shortstop this year in the minors to get some position flexibility. And with this injury to Correa, a spot may be opening, especially with Aledmus Diaz also hurt. So, Andrew, do you have any interest in Straw in redraft leagues? He does have a pretty good ability to take walks and steal bases. 
Uh, not really. No, I, I just don't know if they'll use him every day. I'm not, I'm not really convinced of that, even with the injury. So let's talk about that because I know they got Bregman, who they can move over to shortstop. But I'm trying to figure. I was thinking about this this afternoon and trying to figure out who else would be moving into these positions. Yuli Gurriel is he still a capable third baseman? I mean, I don't think so. But they've used him there some. I, I just don't. I don't. I mean, the logical thing to me would be to move Bregman to short, Yuli to third, and then Tyler bring in first. Bring up Jordan or Tucker or I don't know. They but they're obviously not doing that. So I'm not really sure what their plans are. It's crazy that they've had these injuries. Springer, Springer's on the aisle right now too, isn't he? Not Tyler White, by the way. Please yeah. not, please not him. <laughs> but wasn't Springer? Yeah, isn't Springer's he on the injured hurt. list? Yeah, Springer, Springer's out for a while. Everybody thought that Tyler or that could be a time for Tucker or Alvarez to come up, and then Derek Fisher's up. Which yeah, like, it's getting it's getting to the point. It's like their whole team is hurt. I they. I would just expect they would bring up the the stud kids, but maybe they're not. I mean, they're Fisher now, Straw. I mean, it's it's kind of weird now. It it's just weird to me. It, I can't help but wonder. You know, the Astros they've got money. They're they're not a small market franchise, but I I can't help but wonder if they're thinking. You know what? We're this close to the Super Two. Let's just patchwork it and wait until after. Yeah. I, could I be. don't know, but maybe that's what their logic is. All right, well, next up, we're going to talk about David Smeltzer, who was called up to pitch for the Twins, and this was a guy I'd heard Tim McLeod talk about on the Baseball 365 group and on his podcast with Rich Wilson, and he was kind of in, he seemed into him, and he sure excelled in his first start last night on Tuesday night. Six innings pitched, three hits, zero walks or runs scored, and seven strikeouts. So Andrew, is this someone you is this someone you'd be interested in? Uh, maybe like as a backup bid on something. I mean, not too much, no. But that said, everybody kind of seems to need pitching right now. So I guess if you're, I guess if you're in a pinch, possibly. Like if you're in a redraft auction league and you have seven dollars, <laughs> would... <laughs> I wonder if seven would even get them. I doubt it. I'm, actually, I'm sure one of our one of the listeners in this group is probably in that league and will now just because I've said this bid eight bid eight. (laughs) (laughs) If somebody bids and wins him for $8, they will get sworn at by me. That's funny. (laughs) At least, at least, you know, they're listening. Yeah, that's true. I'll swear (laughs) at them and then say, thanks for listening. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it kind of keep me, uh, keep me posted on that. I'm I'm curious. We'll have to remember to talk about that once that comes. But yeah. it kind of reminds me of Tommy Malone a little bit. And Malone did have a little bit of a run there when he just came up, a soft-tossing lefty who doesn't break 90 miles an hour, who first time through the league, he was having a little success, and then it didn't go well afterwards. So if he's one of those guys you could ride the streak if you're going to pick him up. Maybe he'll get you a few starts here, uh, maybe five to ten starts he'll be successful. But – this is not a guy I'd be thinking you could ride for the rest of the season by any means. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Short stretch. Anything could happen. He could be good for a for a short stretch. Okay. 
I wanted to finish up by talking about a few hot players that we want, we both wanted to discuss. And I'm going to start off with the Yankees catcher, Gary Sanchez, who now has a 264 batting average and he had a 17th home run, I think last night. And he has 33 RBI in 37 games so far this year. And Andrew, you mentioned that you wanted to talk about him and you had a point you wanted to make tonight on him. So the floor is yours. Fire away. Yeah, no, it's just, I just, uh, I just don't really think it's close anymore as far as the number one catcher. I mean, I don't know what else the guy has to do. He's leading the American League in home runs. He missed a couple of weeks and he's just absolutely crushing it. I, to me, he's clearly now, and I, I liked him the most before the season, but it's pretty clear now to me that he's the number one catcher. Yeah, I think with what he's doing, it's hard to deny that. People who drafted JT Real Muto, as I look at his stats for the season so far, they're getting about what they paid. I shouldn't say what they paid for, but they're getting, he's pretty much repeating what he did last year. And I did expect an uptick when the power department possibly because he's playing in Philly, but, and maybe he's up a little bit so far in power, but it's just a, catcher that's steady in a terrible market but when you look at him compared to Gary Sanchez and this is why we said what we said before the year in terms of Sanchez's upside is otherworldly compared to all these other catchers and Gary's shown it now yeah I mean he has a home run every eight at bats I mean that's he's on pace to hit 50 gee and I mean it's you know he's not going to hit 50 but I mean, if you hit 30 at catcher, that's awesome. And he uh, he could hit 40, I feel like, if, as long as he stays healthy the rest of the year. So, yeah. Yeah, pow- he's just he's a big-time difference maker in power that, that these other guys just aren't, I feel like. There's other good ones. You know, Contreras is having a great year. Real Muto's good, as always, and Grendahl's been really good, too, but. The difference that Sanchez makes in power is just its unbelievable. I think you were the one that said this to me a couple days ago, but it's like Mike Piazza back versus the rest of the catchers. And we're not saying he's Mike Piazza. Like, I think Piazza hit for, I'd have to look, I think he was a better batting average hitter than... Yeah, yeah, it's not exactly that, but it's that type of idea when you're talking about, like, fantasy impact it. At the position, I'm, it's just, it's crazy. I won't be surprised at all if he hits 40. Oh, my word. I'm looking at Mike Piazza's stats for his career right now. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty insane. I mean, I he hit over 300, six, seven, eight, nine seasons in a row with somewhere between 32 and 40 home runs in like six or seven of those seasons. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty yeah, and incredible. see, I don't even, I don't even mind if Sanchez hits two sixty or no. whatever. You know, it's like if you hit two sixty with thirty five bombs, then who cares? At catcher, I mean, that's yep. that's like a league winner, t- winning type player. You know, he'll be a second round pick if he keeps this up. That's exactly what I was about to ask. Is where do you see him going next year? And I think that's kind of where he was yeah. going in drafts last year, wasn't he? Wasn't he a second, third round pick in some drafts? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, somewhere in there. I can't remember exactly, but yeah. I, 
keeps this up, I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't be. I think our buddy Brian Crump. Such a difference maker. Crump was taking him in the second round of last year in drafts, and Crump's a smart guy, and I'm sure this is what he's what he's doing this year is probably exactly why he was doing it. He saw that kind of upside, and unfortunately, Crump was a year early. He had to have a down year and got hurt last year also, but Gary Sanchez is just incredible this year. Yeah. Okay, well, next up, I thought we'd talk about Rays outfielder Austin Meadows. This is a guy I want to talk about because I don't think we've talked about him much this season. I was pretty high on him going into the year. And I don't have it in front of me. I think in the bold predictions, I thought I had mentioned he'd finish with something like 45 home runs plus steals this year. And I'll admit, I even thought that was pretty bold. I was more hoping for 30 to 35, but thought, well, I'm going to go bold in this bold prediction and put 45. But even though he's missed a few weeks with a thumb injury, he's already at a 356 batting average, 12 home runs, six steals, and 31 RBI. And 36 games played so far. We may be on the on the verge of a big breakout here. And Andrew, I'm pretty. I have some attachment to this because I own him in both dynasty leagues. So I thought I'd ask you. We've talked about him some, and there's been discussions going on around us about him in the past week. But people are wondering how early he could be going in 15 team redraft leagues next year. What do you think? Uh, it's going to depend a lot on the rest of the season. If he continues doing this, I think he could be like a third rounder. It does. He does need to keep it up though. I mean, if it's one of those, if it's one of those things where he has a huge first half and then he does has a bad second half, he's not going to be even close to the third round. So I probably should have kind of specified that when we discussed it the other day. A little bit, you know, when we were talking about it in the chat or whatever. But He reminds me a lot. I heard this comp said by somebody else, and I thought it was a real good comp, that he, caliber player, not saying apples to apples here, but value-wise, if he keeps this up, he may be an Andrew Benatendi-level player. And I thought that was a real good comp just because guy who hits for good average, who can, who doesn't hit, who's you wouldn't think is elite at power speed, but is pretty good at both five yeah. true fab five category guy there. He's that type of player for sure. I mean, he's, he's just good at every, you know, he's does no real weakness like across the board. And I've got him, I've got him in a dynasty league and a redraft. So I've been paying attention. He's been, he's been really good. And it seemed like this, started picking up after he was traded to Tampa last year. I'm looking at his fan graphs page right now. And I remember noticing this, which is why I was so excited about him going into this year. But after he was traded in that Chris Archer deal, which looks worse and worse every day, Glasnow and Meadows for Chris Archer. But in 27 games with the Rays in AAA, he had, 10 home runs and a stolen base with a 344 batting average. He wasn't hardly striking out, walking at a okay, pretty, you know, seven and a half clip, but striking out 12% of the time with 10 home runs in 27 games. And that was before we had the juice ball. I mean, it was a fantastic finish. So I'm not too shocked to, uh, to see that the power is picking up where it left off. I didn't expect 12 home runs already in 36 games, though been incredible 
What do you uh, What do you think he ends with homers and steals? Ooh, good question. He's at twelve and six. Right yep. Now. In thirty six games, we're at the third way point of the season. Yeah, because he missed a little bit of time. Yep. I would think this. I mean, I would not expect this kind of pace to continue, especially in the home run department. The steals could, because he's well. A if third this, of the pace, way if the this s- pace continues, he'll be a second round pick. But this yeah. pace won't. This pace won't continue. I don't think. If okay, I'll I'll say this, and this this actually what I'm about to say makes him a second round pick. But twenty seven home runs and sixteen stolen bases. That's my that that's I'll say that with a bat, batting average that finishes around 300. Yeah, that's about what I was going to say. 27 and 16. Yeah, that sounds about right. And if he does that, I, I think, think he'll I think rounder. he'll I think he'll end the year under 300, but yeah. Yeah, it's possible. His batting average on balls in play is extraordinarily high, and that should come down, but being already at 30, well, I guess he's only played 36 games, so that batting average isn't going to be as hard to swing, that 356 batting average. So, yeah, okay. I'll say either way, though, either way, it's close. And it's done. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm about with you. 27 and 16 sounds about right. Okay. Well, let's discuss the league leaders. I thought this would be fun to talk about, given – we're, we say that you can look at the standings about this point. And I thought, well, why don't we talk about league leaders? We're going to talk about MLB standings at some point, but we might save that for halfway point of the season. And we're going to start off with batting average. And I've got the top five hitters here. And Cody Bellinger is leading the league at 386, which I knew he yeah, was he's, hitting for high average. He's in a lot. He's going to be in a lot of these. So yes, Bellinger <laughs> definitely gets brought up a lot. And behind him, f- almost fifty points behind him is Josh Bell, Tim and at three thirty nine, Tim Anderson at, at three thirty seven, Jorge Polanco at three thirty five, and Nolan Arenado at three thirty five. And you know they always say batting average is fluky. Looking at that top five right there, that tells me just how. You just can't predict batting average in fantasy baseball. No, nope. especially over like a third of a season. It's yep. So let me ask you this: You know, Bellinger is not supposed to be this kind of batting average guy. I mean, his strikeout rate has dropped significantly. I'm loading his page right now. Jeez, it's still at 13 percent right now with a 14 percent walk rate. But given how far he is ahead of the rest of the hitters. If you were having to pick a batting average leader at the end of the year, would you take Bellinger or the field? The field. You still would take the field? Easily. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that I'm like convinced that he, he, he's even a 330 hitter. But man, that's a big jump right there ahead of everybody else. Maybe it's, it's really not a one-week slump, and it's, it really isn't. It yeah, can change. It can change quick. Yeah, I would easily take the field. Not even close. Man, if I he almost... if he wins the major league batting title, I'll be wrong. But yeah, no way. I don't think I want to make a three sixty five bet on that, but I'm so tempted to. 
I just you're right though. It can swing so quick. Yeah, I mean, I, if you're giving me everyone else in the league, you can have where, Bellinger. Where do you think his batting average finishes at the end of the year? Let me ask you that. Well, higher than I would have said before the season. Of course, of course, of course. But um, I don't know. Uh, probably a little over three hundred, three ten. Okay, somewhere in there. I can't really maybe, argue. I mean, that. maybe. I mean, he could hit three twenty. I guess. I. It's you know. I I don't really feel comfortable even with that. I, but yeah, if you're giving me the rest of the league, I'm taking the rest of the league. It'll be. I I hope we can go back and look at that at the end of the year because I do. I hope I remember when we're talking about the year in review that at the third way point he was hitting three eighty six, just to see where he finishes, yeah. no matter where it is. It it just we may be not. fascinating. We may not remember the exact number, but we'll remember that he was out in front. Maybe. I do have my show notes, and yeah. I keep all of them so may- in my iPad, so maybe we will have it. Yeah, I, hope, I hope we remember to go back and look at that. Okay. We'll move on to home runs, and Andrew, or actually I'll list them off first. Christian Yelich is leading the league at 21 home runs. Bellinger with 18, and if I forgot to mention this, I should have mentioned this before, all of these stats are as of Memorial Day. I think I took these stats at about 11 p.m. on Memorial Day night, trying to get through the third waypoint right there. So these, as we're recording here on Wednesday night, that could be a little different, but anyway. Yelich at 21, Bellinger at 18, George Springer at 17, rookie Pete Alonzo at 17, and both Josh Bell and Eddie Rosario both have 16 each. And Andrew, you and I both discussed Yelich and Bellinger a lot uh, over the course of the last month. And a few weeks ago, we did the over-under game on home runs for both Yelich and Bellinger. And with Yelich at the time, we both took the under of 40 home runs. I think we were both in the maybe mid to low 30s. But with him at 21 and the third waypoint of the season... Would you still stand by that, or with him still raking and at 21 right now, would you take the under or over? Man, it's so close right now. I I think I'd take the under still. But it's really close. He could easily hit 40. I think it's really close to a push for me. But every game they're in Milwaukee, it's a home run, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. I, it's hard to wrap my mind around what he's doing. I just, I, I could easily, I could easily see him having like 28 at the break and hitting like 37 yep. or 30 or 38. I, I just could, but yeah, I mean, he could hit 40. Yeah, of course. I haven't looked to see what his home run to fly ball rate was this year in a while. Do you know what it is? No, I, just, I haven't looked. It's at 36.8%, which <laughs> last year was 35%. He just loves playing in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. But yeah, I, I'd still say under, but it's right there. I mean, it's with a fit with with a actually his ground ball rates dropped this year, and that's good. He's wow, forty percent fly ball rate this year as compared to a career twenty one percent. That's interesting. That that right there makes me wonder if I should be taking the over, but I don't I I don't know I don't know what my answer was. If I had to bet my mortgage on 
maybe I think I might take the over, but I don't feel great about either one. Okay. Yeah, I don't blame you. Let's move on to Bellinger, and we actually have a 365 bet. I did have the guts. To, I shouldn't say have the guts. I felt more confident to take the over on him at 40 at the time, and he's at 18 now. Do, has your, are you, do you feel the exact same, that you'd still take the under, or have you been swayed on him at all? I think he's, I think he's even up a little bit from that. Uh, you're right. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's at 20. He's at 20 now, so he's at a few since this. Uh, yeah, I think Bellinger will end with more than Yelich. So, yeah, right there. Uh, right around 40. I mean, yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, I'm etching it down But that's, that, that's W. That's, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he hit 47, you know? I just... Uh-huh. I'm always going to kind of lean under in there in a lot of these because they're also like, you know, when you get like Vegas totals on this stuff, they have to bake in injury potential mm-hmm. too. Because like either one of them goes down for a few weeks, that's it. They're not, yeah, you know, they're done. that's it. So I'm not saying that'll happen. Obviously, you hope it doesn't. But uh, yeah, I would probably, I'd be more likely to take the over on Bellinger than Yelich, but not by much. All right, well, Alex Bregman isn't listed here, but I thought I'd throw him in because he did hit two home runs on Tuesday night to get to 17 already, which is pretty incredible for a guy that's as small as he is to be tied in the AL for the home run lead now. And I really expected regression from last year's totals, but he's pacing to beat it, beat them. Andrew, given Bregman has 17 right now, how many do you think he finishes with? Uh, about what did he end up with last year? About thirty. I think he had like I'm looking right now 30, 30, 31. I think right around there, maybe a little over. I was gonna say thirty three. Thirty four was my number when I was thinking about it. So we're in the same ballpark there. Can Just, I add? Can I add something here? Yep. I think Pete Alonso can hit forty. Oh. It would not shock me at all. I think he's right there with these guys, too. You know, this, it's fun. he just, man, he just kills the ball every single time he hits it. Yes, when he makes contact, it is crushed. I swear, it is. I was watching a game uh, a few days ago, and they had the infield in on him. And I just, I think I even made the comment, like, <laughs> you did. if I was an infielder, I'd be scared for my life. Like, because he just... <laughs> It was, you know, the situation warranted it, whatever it was. You know, they had to cut down the run at the plate. But, um, yeah, it's just like he's he's only hitting like 250. And there's some strikeouts there. But, man, he just, when he hits the ball, he just crushes it. It's, I wouldn't be surprised if he hit 40. You know, I think I told you last week, he's struggled on in the on-base department since the end of April. But he's still a rookie who's going through adjustments right now. I'm not really overly worried long haul. But he definitely has cooled off from that hot start where he was hitting the upper 300s and his on-base percentage was in the mid-400s. Well, they're not not taking him out of the lineup. So he's going to have all the opportunity to get there. Yeah, I I don't disagree with any of that. And I do think he's got a real shot at 40 also. I'm not even saying any of that to argue with you, but... In a redraft league, 
if somebody was willing to pay full price to get him, I I would consider it depending on what they're offering. I, I would at least consider it. I mean, it's hard to trade a guy like that. But if you had a need at another position, you needed speed or something, and you had you drafted Alonzo late and you've got some other established power hitters, I wouldn't be opposed to trying to trade him if you could get a the the value at full value out of what he's doing right now, because batting average could swing down, continue swinging down a little more. I mean, it's a two fifty now, and maybe not much, but I just yeah, that that was with an incredible start right there. What about Derek Dietrich with the Reds? The guy took a minor league deal with the Reds before the season, and he hit three more home runs on Tuesday night, giving him 17 on the season. Is this guy real life, or is he make-believe? Well, this, I mean, this version of him isn't real, but he's definitely having a really good season. It's, it's pretty wild. I think he, I mean, I think he could hit upper 20s to 30. Yeah. That's a heck of a season. I'm sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> He's hitting, this is almost like when I looked up Tommy LaStella's page there a few months, a month ago and was talking. He's hitting 254. And do you know what his batting average on balls in play? Just take a, take a guess on what it is right now. Um... 378. You are almost 200 points off. It is actually, you're over 200 points off. It is 176. Oh my gosh. That just Wait, what did out. you say he was hitting? 254. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was thinking something else. Never mind. I had everything totally backwards, but I would have never guessed 176 <laughs> anyway. So it no. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's incredible. That's like Lestella when I saw what he was doing so far, and I saw his BABIP, and I was like, dang, that's incredibly low for a it guy seems who's like, having the year. It seems like most of his hits are homers. Mm-hmm. I actually have him on one team. I've just been playing him in my outfields every every day now. I mean, well, been he said most of his hits are homers. His home run to fly ball is 36%, so he's in Christian yeah. Yelich territory, but he's also, just like Yelich, playing in an awesome park to hit him. Going from Miami yeah. the last few years, a 13% home run to fly ball rate for his career. And go, you go to Cincinnati, and those balls are going to go out, and he is putting the ball in the air significantly more, 52% of the time compared to a career average of 39%. So he's yeah. definitely elevating the ball more. And Better. also, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, It's all right. I was just going to say, and also he's got the bat flips to go with it. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he definitely likes to showboat a little <laughs> bit, but but yeah, better lineup, better park. I mean, he's uh, he's he's definitely having a good year. For those of you who were lucky enough to grab him in free agency, good for you. All right, we'll move on to run scored, and Cody Bellinger's leading the league with forty-seven. Trevor Story with forty-four. Christian Yelich with 42, Mookie Betts, and Chris Bryant also with 42. Not really too many big surprises there, but I thought Bryant would be the interesting one to talk about this year. As we, He had a tough year last year with shoulder problems, rested in the offseason, said he felt great this spring. I predicted a huge bounce back, 
Andrew, you weren't as sure that he'd be an elite third baseman again. And after that first month, I wasn't sure. I, th- I was taking back what I felt. I'm like, well, this doesn't look good. But, man, he's caught fire in the month of May and now has 12 home runs and 42 runs scored. So my question to you, Andrew, is do you think he's back to being an elite-level third baseman? Uh, close, yeah. He's definitely looked good. He almost he had that nasty collision earlier in the week. I think it was Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. Mm-hmm. And he's just back tonight, and they're DHing him. So, but yeah, that could have been. I don't know. Did you see that? No, this uh, I didn't even know he had hurt him and hurt. Uh, him and Hayward. They collided. Oh. It was. It could have been really bad. It wasn't too bad, but it it was one of those where they were running full speed at each other and. They hit, and it was awkward because they kind of braced, but it could have been a lot worse than it was. Luckily, it wasn't, but... Those are two um, big bodies, too. Yeah, yeah. He came off the field kind of gingerly, and he hasn't played the last couple days, but... Yeah, yeah, he's he's looked good. He uh, He's close to that level. I mean, we always knew it was in there. It's just... He had gone backwards mm-hmm. since... You know, since the first season or two. So I was just, you know, all my comments on that was an observation based on what he was doing. But, yeah, he's he's looked better this year. And it was a fair one to have. I mean, 2016 was his MVP season. 2017, he was healthy and dropped down to 29 home runs. And last year was a wash. But, I mean, he was pretty terrible last year with that shoulder injury. And, just, I mean, if you're... Getting if you're going to get healthy and you move back to being a 25 to 30 home run hitting third baseman, there's not too much exciting about that. Where he does need to get those, keep those home runs over 30 to really be seen as a really good third baseman in fantasy baseball right now. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we move on to RBI and talk. Look who's at the top: Cody Bellinger with 48, Josh Bell at 47. Eddie Rosario at 45, uh, Marcelo Zuna at 45, and Nolan Arenado at 44. And I thought we'd talk about the middle three on this list because we haven't talked about them really yet. Bell, Rosario, and Ozuna. And of those three, who do you think finishes with the best season? Josh Bell. Huh. That's a guy I know both of us did not like going into this year. I was, we were both like, what is there to get excited about this guy? 12 home runs last year. And I think it's ground ball rate. I'm up near, up near 50% the last few years. And man, it's been a turnaround for that guy. Yeah, it has. Rosario has been really good too. It could be either one. I'd say probably either over Ozuna, but yeah, it could be any of them. I feel, I, I feel like Bell's off to the the best start, so I just take him, but could be any of them. Yeah, it could be. I don't even know who I'd want to take here, but just be, just to be a homer, because I don't know. I really don't know. I'm going to say Ozuna, just to be a homer, because <laughs> it wouldn't shock me of any of those three. No, yeah, it wouldn't shock me. They all feel pretty similar. And we'll move on to stolen bases, which is the hardest category to find in the game today. Uh, What really blew me away, we're at the third way point of the season, and right now there are only seven players in the major leagues who have double-digit steals, five in the American League, and only two of them in the National League. That's amazing. 
Yeah. I, I remember playing 10, 15 years ago, and there'd be a half dozen guys with 25 to 30 at this point. And now our leader has 18, which is at Alberto Mondesi. And then the next highest is Tim Anderson at 13. And then D Gordon at 12, Jose Ramirez at 12 and Jared Dyson at 12. And it's just incredible to see what's happened and stolen bases become more and more hard to find. And that makes those players that run more and more valuable. And, Mondesi being so far ahead of everybody else, he's having an incredible season. And this is another guy that you and I were both down on before the year. And we're looking more and more wrong on this guy. I know the last time we talked about him about a month ago, I remember you saying, let's see how he does over the course of the next few months. And he's continued rolling. We're still not a couple months removed, but he's having a heck of a year despite being somebody who doesn't walk much and strikes out a bunch. It's going to be interesting to see how he holds up for the whole year, but right now it does not look good for us on that call on him. So my question, first off, Mondesi, over under 40 steals. Over. Yeah. I think I'm with you there. So if I said yeah. 50? Um, close. I think he's close to fifty, yeah. Yeah, I think he has a shot at it. I'd and probably take I'd probably take under, but I think he's yeah, I think he'd get close. For the record, I'm slowly turning the corner on him. I will admit I was very hard on him in the preseason and he has looked really good. So we're still you- two months in. I, I feel like things could still happen there's still flaws in his game that I'm not a fan of, but he has looked really good and I was definitely wrong on him. And the thing, well, the thing is too, is he, what he does it and the way he does it, it's, it's so valuable right now in the game because there's just not a lot of guys that run like this. And that's kind of the separating part too, when you really get down to it. I traded him and a bunch of pieces away to get a guy who could break his rib getting a massage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. But he just might be one of those hobby bias type players. The guys who defy, you know, strike out over a quarter of the time and don't walk much, who just, they hit the ball so dang hard. It doesn't matter. They still will compile the stats and be an elite player, which. I don't know how long of a run he'll have being that. He's still so young. He could do this for a few years. Wouldn't shock me, but man, he is he's an exciting player in the league. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it really surprises me like that he just keeps hitting for average. Mm-hmm. Like I am it it just really does. I it's um that just surprises me more than anything. It him and I think I even said this when I wasn't into, you know, him as a fantasy player, but just him stealing bases, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, that's if he was going to stick, I kind of thought the whole time that he would get the steals. But yeah, just uh, how much he's hit for average and his lack of walks, it, it's weird. It, it's it's kind of strange, but yeah, he's definitely been really good. Yeah. All right, next question. Does anybody else in the major leagues steal 40 bases this year? 
Oh, that's a good one. I would probably say no. So you take the field, you take nobody. Well, all right. Well, what are you asking? Are you asking? It, it does any? Yeah, I'm not saying. Yeah, the whole field, not any one specific player. To steal forty. Yeah. Besides Mondesi, you're saying. correct. I don't know. Probably not. I maybe though. It it's just a heater from any of these guys. I mean, Malik Smith, D. Gordon, any of these guys can get on a run where they just do it. But I think I'm with you though. I don't think anybody does. I think the person who comes closest isn't even on this list, and that's Trey Turner, who's got like five or six. I think he's the closest shot. But I, I think I'm with you. I think we have one person who steals 40 bags this year. It's yeah, Malik, crazy. Malik stole like four the other night, so he's he's right up with these guys too. Yeah, that was. And he was in he the he that. was in the minors. He's probably at 12 now. I think he had eight when he was 13. sitting down. 13. Yeah. Yeah. He might do it. Hmm. Yeah, just playing time though. You know, that's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to. All right, we'll move over to pitching, and we're going to start off with the batting average of hitting or pitching, which is wins, the luck-based factor. And Domingo Herman with the Yankees, he's got nine wins. Verlander has eight, and there's a whole bunch of people with seven. Hyunjin Ryu, Jake Odorizzi, Jose Barrios, Brandon Woodruff, Martin Perez, and Max Fried all have seven wins as of Monday. And I'm not asking who, just like with stolen bases. This is a luck-based stat, but how – no, stolen bases isn't luck-based, but I'm not going to ask you to pick one. But oh, how I'll, pick, ma- I'll pick one. How many people win 20 games this year? One. For Justin Verlander? Justin Verlander. Okay. That's fair. And I, I think it's funny because it's such a luck-based stat. It's, it's almost <laughs> dumb, but yeah. He's the, much. he's the man. He's the man. It's just, I watched that guy. I have so much confidence. I would start him in Coors Field against the 27 Yankees and not even, <laughs> not even feel bad about it. Like, he's just so awesome. He is. Yeah, I feel like he's going to win every time he pitches. It doesn't mean that he does or that he, you know, but just the confidence level, it, he, he's just so awesome. He's my number yep. one pitcher rest of the season. i don't think I could argue with that. I think I would agree. I, there's, a, there's a few in the conversation, but he'd be, he'd be my number one. I don't remember who, but somebody asked a few weeks ago or a month ago on Baseball 365 how many people you'd take a pitchers you'd take above somebody rest of season. Yeah. I don't remember if it was Verlander. But, I think there was, a, there was some type of conversation involving that, and it was like, I think people, you know, it was like Scherzer maybe sailed to ground, but yeah, it's pretty much the consensus i think those guys would be my one also though yeah he can, he'd be my one he can get close to 300 strikeouts he can win 20 games and he knows he's a really good pitcher yeah and he's just he's just a horse i mean he's out there going deep into every game it's he's on a great team he's just ridiculous yeah i can't believe that he just keeps doing this at his age it's like what is he gonna fall off you know it's just, he has the Kate Upton fountain of youth. That's how yeah. he's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll move on to strikeouts. Uh, no real surprises here, but Garrett Cole 
has 100. Max Scherzer has 96. Verlander, 95. Trevor Bauer at 88. And Chris Sale at 88. And I don't really have much to add on any of these guys. They're all awesome pitchers. Do you have anything you want to mention on any of them? No, not really. It's pretty much the high strikeout pitchers to me are generally the best pitchers in the league. And it's pretty much what you're looking at here. Yep. And as we get to ERA, you're not looking at the five best pitchers in the league. Yeah. <laughs> Hyunjin Ryu at 165, who's been very steady the last few years. So I don't say any of this to crap on these guys. These guys are having good seasons. But it also talks about ERA and how it can be very luck-based, especially in a small sample. And Jake Odorizzi at 2.16. Luis Castillo at 2.38, Verlander at 2.38, and Frankie Montas at 2.4. And my question for you, Andrew, which of these five finishes with the worst ERA? Frankie Montas. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm with you. Uh, it's him or Oda, is he? I don't know which. I, th- I feel really good about the other three and bad ERAs. That they're usually typically well. Yeah. I say that Castillo was probably near five at this point last year, but he's turned a corner. And I, yeah, I think I don't have a problem with there with Montas. Okay, we'll move on to WHIP, and we got Verlander leading the league at a zero point seven four. Ryu is at zero point eight three. Grinky making his first appearance in these leaders at zero point eight seven. Yanni Chirinos with the Rays is at 0.91, and Caleb Smith is at 0.96. And again, I don't have much to add here unless you got something to say, Andrew. No, man, how about Ryu, huh? What a yeah. year so far. Jeez. In a year where Kershaw was hurt to start the year and Walker Bueller has had a tough start. I mean, it's just, it's not been uh, the start we were hoping he would have. I mean, he's still a really good pitcher who's just had some bad fortune but Reeves really come up big for that that franchise this year it's just so crazy it's like that's all the Dodgers need is a guy like that to pitch like that like if he if Ryu didn't pitch the rest of the year like we said with Pollock the Dodgers would probably be totally fine <laughs> it's just funny it's just it's just funny it's like we said with the Yankees, the, 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 just what they needed was to have a little bit of luck out of one of their pitchers. They really needed <laughs> yeah. some good luck. Right, right. <laughs> okay, we'll move on to saves. Kirby Yates with the Padres, he's leading the league at 20 saves so far. And Shane Green, at the do- the jo- ah. Shane Green with the Tigers is at 16. Aroldis Chapman is at 14. Kenley Jansen is at 14, and Felipe Vazquez, uh, Brad Hand, Roberto Asuna, and Edwin Diaz both have thir- all have 13. And I wanted to ask you this question, which is, how many saves does Shane Green finish with? 28. Okay. 28. That's- yeah, 28. And I, I think I- they trade him at the deadline Um, or they should they should i mean whether they do or not but they should and if they can get any type of value out of that guy it's just a beautiful move for the tigers because it just makes way way too much sense you know 
the last two seasons at this point, Shane Green was the closer and everybody kept thinking, well, they're going to trade him this year at the deadline and they haven't. Yeah. But this year with the performance he's having, I think his value is just going to be a little higher to where I'm not saying it was the right move for them to hold the last two years, but I think it's worked out to where I think they'll get a better return this year than they would have the last few years. Yep. They'd be crazy to not trade him this year. Given yeah, I, I agree that they'll they'll get more. I mean, that's that's kind of part of it too. I feel like now that he's done it for a couple of years, and yeah, I think that they can. It'll. I'm really curious. I, I'm not the biggest Shane Green fan. I never really have been, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm really really curious to see what they can pull for him. I kind of I kind of almost hope, and I don't even own him in fantasy in, on any team, but I kind of almost hope he's really good up until the deadline just to see I'm I'm so curious to see what he would bring in and mm-hmm. if they I, like I just I feel like it could be a pretty decent amount especially if he's good from now until until July 31st you know in Rotomasters too one of the picks I made in 2017 in that startup that I hated the most I reached to get Joe Jimenez cuz I thought he'd be the closer by mid-season 2017 yeah. And that was a terrible pick. No matter, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say no matter what happens. If he turned into a really good closer for the next 10 years, obviously it's worth it. But I reached for him and I keep, and I'm hoping this year he finally gets that shot, even though he hasn't been that great the last year or two. He's been okay, but not. Was uh, was Green even the closer at that point? I'm trying to remember. Well, I don't think think he he was. Let me pull up his page to see when he started accruing saves because he didn't start whatever year he got that job with the job. Yeah, I forget. I want to say that he didn't. And then I think that was the year where they put him into the job, but somebody else was closing at the start of that year, maybe. I just don't I don't remember exactly who. It was 2017. He had nine saves that year. So he didn't even probably begin that year. It wasn't until probably a midseason trade. Yeah. Or something that he start he got that job because it wasn't yeah, I, until 2018 he had 32 saves. Yeah, I can't remember who was closing for them, but he's been their closer for shorter than I remembered. It was, you know who it probably was Jose Valverde. I know that's not really true, but it felt like he was their closer forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think everybody's been kind of waiting around on Joe Jimenez, but it just hasn't been his time yet. I guess. He's going to get a shot, and I'm not completely confident he will hold that job and be a great closer. We'll see. I th- but I think they're going to give him the shot. and It should happen this year. We'll see. Yeah. Well, that was fun. I think that's really interesting thing to go over, and I, maybe we should do that again in midseason to see how much they've changed kind of show a here now versus even the third third waypoint and see where they're at in terms of these positions because by the time we get to the all-star break things are going to change again yeah maybe bellinger won't be leading every category <laughs> maybe he'll just no actually he'll be leading stolen bases too yeah <laughs> no kidding man what a year yeah well I know I'm looking forward to this weekend. I don't remember when we talked about the Cubs Cardinals when I went came up to Chicago to see them, but Jake Book from our Rotomasters 2 league, he ha- works at a car dealership up in near St. Louis. He's a Cubs fan living in St. Louis. I feel for you, Jake, because 
I think that would be miserable. Living in a yeah, town nice. where your rival team, where the rival team lives, I think that would be awful. <laughs> yeah, that'd no, be but, tough. No matter where you live, I think that would be terrible. But he works at a car dealership, and they they did a drawing for Cards Cubs tickets for this weekend, and 247 people put their names in for that drawing. You had to like the page and share the post, and I did that, and I was the one that was drawn out of the 247. So my wife and I and my daughter and a couple of our local friends here, we're going to drive up to St. Louis, and for the second time in a month, I get to see the Cardinals and Cubs. That's pretty excited about that i you know i haven't even looked to see who's starting that game who pitched last that was so that was so funny when you won that (laughs) (laughs) he sent the video and it was like a you saw that right when he sent Uh the video the video (laughs) i was he messaged me for those for those who don't know he he just put the video up of him randomizing the order and it was whatever it was 247 names I actually saw him post it, and the only reason that I didn't comment was just because it's far away from me, and I was like, I probably wouldn't even go any, you know, be able to go or whatever. Um, so I did. I would have done it, you know, if it was in Chicago or something. But I just laughed so hard when he posted that, and you had won. And you guys all saw it before I did. He messaged me before saying, "Hey, are you?" Because he was going through names, saw my name. He's like, "Are you sure you could make it up here?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's three hours away." I won free Cubs Cardinals tickets, so I'd find a way. And I was busy working, so I put my phone down, and I looked at it later, and I saw I had been tagged in our league messenger chat saying, Justin Hughes is the luckiest man alive. (laughs) And I already (laughs) knew what that meant with the video. Because for those that don't know, in Roto Masters 2, I was the luck of the draw and got Mike Trout as the number one pick. And in the other dynasty I'm in with Book, that's where I drew myself number one that we joked about this offseason. So I've had two number one picks in Dynasty startups, and I've won this drawing for things that Jake Book's been involved in. <laughs> Fortune. Yeah, it's crazy. Looking, I guess this will be an interesting matchup if it's the guys who started last night, because last night's Tuesday, and usually you can count on, you know, sometimes there's off days that mess with things, but Adam Wainwright started for the Cardinals last night, and didn't John Lester start for the Cubs? Yeah. yeah, yeah, Lester. That's a throwback. Yeah, Hendricks tonight. Yeah, man, I'm. I had Gosman going in my online championship. Mm-hmm. Did you see his line? I don't know, but I while we have been, <laughs> I'll tell you this: while we are recording, I just got a text message from a friend of mine saying, "Would you like to have Kevin Gosman for a bag of balls?" <laughs> if something bad had happened. One inning, eight earned. Was that tonight? Yeah. <laughs> he actually well, went. He actually went. Uh, he went the first inning. He gave up four, oh. and, then he, and then he gave up four in the second without getting it out. Oh, yep. I'm looking at it now. Brutal. Yuck! Yuck! Well, he's been pretty. Some- he's he's been pretty good too. Like up until this. I mean, he's been good. Jeez, that sucks. Well, for that bag of balls, I guess I should say I'm willing to give them up. That's like, one of them. That's like one of those that ruins your week. Yes, it does. I'll trade yeah. for him if I could. Uh, okay, well, that's what I got going on this week. Do you have anything going on this week? No, not much. Made a trade yesterday. I know you know Oh, yeah. 
We should talk about that. I forgot about that. I did not get that into the notes, but you did talk to me about this. Yeah, that was a pretty got, big uh, trade for you. Yeah, as we were recording, I saw him homer too. He homered tonight. But yeah, I got uh, Ben Attendee in uh, Rotomasters 3. So. Okay, what was, the full yeah. di- what was the full trade? I was, um, I was shopping Chapman Aroldis because just not contending this year and uh, was trying to get like young bat for him, young bat or bats, and uh, talked to a few different guys, didn't really get anything done. And then I ended up trading Aroldis Chapman, Max Freed, and David Fletcher for – Andrew Benintendi, Freudis Nova, and a second round pick. Nova's my guy. Nova's my guy. I like him. Take the draft pick, and Benintendi's the best player in the trade. So I was pretty happy with it. Yeah. And the I guy mean, that I the guy that I traded with, he kind of need pitching and definitely needed saves. So it was good. This this goes back to I think I said this whenever we talked about my Whit Merrifield trade. Even if you're in a dynasty startup, I you know I took Whit Merrifield because I thought he fell too far, and I decided I was going to take a chance here and prove to myself that I could hold out and get max value. And you kind of did the same thing with Chapman. You drafted really young, and you took Chapman because you just thought he fell too far and thought you could get that value back. And that, along with Freed, who is having a great year, but well, when did you take him? Did you tell me like 30-some-odd round? Yeah, I think I took him in like round 31 or something. Yeah, I mean, he obviously has completely overperformed, you know, outperformed what I expected at the time. I mean, I was kind of just looking at that point to fill major league slots with young players that had some potential, you know. And, uh, yeah, he just obviously landed in the rotation and has kind of taken off. So, but... Yeah, so that's my point here. You took two guys who, one guy who you took to get some trade value. You got another guy who his value grew. I mean, Freed could turn into an ace. It's possible he turns into a low one, high two. We don't know, but you managed to get some real good value out of that and Ben Attendee. I love that deal. And you know what? Yeah, it was round it, 31. Round 31. It could help the other guy get a championship. And it could be a win-win. We'll see, but I no yeah. matter what, I think you did a, made a good move there. Yep, I'm happy with it. Okay, well, that's a good way to close out here. So um, if you don't have anything else, I guess we're going to get out of here. And take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 Podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.